Tonight's reading is from Matthew 25, starting at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Then the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of these, of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. But tonight I must start with a spoiler alert. In case you hadn't noticed, we get to see what happens in the end. Hopefully this won't come as a complete surprise, because you've been following what Jesus has been teaching over the last few weeks. I think you can split Matthew's gospel into three sections. The first three chapters are about his history, his ancestry going back to Abraham, his birth, the escape to Egypt, and then his return to Nazareth, right up to the encounter with John the Baptist. Then the second section is 21 chapters from chapter 4 through to 25 that covers his preaching and healing ministry, going around with the disciples. And today's passage is at the very end of that section, The last three chapters of the book are devoted to the events leading up to and including his death and resurrection. But the significant thing he tells his disciples at the end of those 21 chapters of preaching, teaching and demonstrating the kingdom of God is that he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And that's how his teaching ends. So let's ask him for his help as we look at his word this evening. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, you told the disciples the end of the story. Help us to understand it, to accept it, and to live by it. Amen. Well, here are my three headings. In the end, at the end, and it's not the end. So first, in the end. When you're at a cinema, immersed in a thrilling adventure story, how do you like the story to end? Do you like to know how all the loose ends are tied up? 
Or are you happy for things to be left hanging? Have you seen that trilogy of films called The Lord of the Rings? Well, the final part, The Return of the King, to my way of counting, has at least seven endings. We come to a resolution of some part of the story, and the screen fades, and the music tells us that we've come to the end. And then the next scene starts up, and we're told there's some other storyline that's still ongoing. And even when Annie Lennox's song, Into the West, strikes up, and we follow the ship sailing into the sunset, it's not the end. There's always something more to show us. We don't want this epic film to end. We want all those loose ends tied up. What will become of the Shire? What did Bilbo do when he went into the West? Well, the film does finally end. The theme song plays, and we either read through the hundred and something pages of credit that roll down the screen, or we get out of our seats and we wander out of the cinema back into the cold light of day, but we don't actually get to see the very end because no one is comfortable showing us what happens at the end of this life. No one except Jesus, that is. Now, I know The Lord of the Rings is a fantasy story, but we use films to reinforce our values and beliefs. And the failure to mention the two destinations after life is because we like to concentrate on this life and have little concern for the next. Let's not worry about life after death. Let's make our own heaven and hell here on earth. We don't want to think about pleasure or pain beyond the grave. Jesus says, no, that's wrong. So let's look at what he tells us in our passage. Let's just look at those first few verses from 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. It really doesn't need explaining. Jesus will judge everyone at the end of this world to decide if they're fit for heaven or hell. Anyone can make sense of what Jesus says. Even if we don't know about the shepherding of sheep and goats in Bible times, it doesn't matter. We can understand what's going on here. Jesus is talking about how he will judge people. You, me, and everyone else in the world's history. At the end of this world, Jesus will return with all the angels in heaven. He will sit on the judgment throne to give the verdict on everyone gathered before him. And each individual, you, me, and everybody else in the whole of history will be gathered before him and they'll be separated into two groups. On his right, the sheep. On his left, the goats. No need for a trial, no barrister, no argument, no excuses. Jesus knows everyone's track record absolutely perfectly and he assigns everybody either to his right or his left. The Lord of the Rings film doesn't go as far as that. Annie Lennox's song doesn't mention this bit. It's just some idea of sleeping, as if we will spend eternity asleep. 
Sorry, Annie, you've missed the glorious end. Before we go further, I think we need to remember where this comes in Jesus' life story. Because we're near the end. Jesus is about to be betrayed. To go through a mock trial and the horror of death by crucifixion. Separation from God the Father as darkness covers the earth for three hours in the middle of the day. But then he conquers death. He rises from the grave and appears to many people and ascends to heaven in the clouds. But before that happens, he wants the disciples to know the facts about life after death and his return to the earth at the end. It's not a secret, but he is just speaking to the 12 disciples now. They want to know what the end will be like. And so should we, whether we follow Jesus or not. He's warned the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and the crowd of the dangers of living for this world's praise and ending up in hell. But here he's telling his disciples what his role will be at the end. But let's be clear, he's not talking about how you begin life in God's kingdom. We've had 21 chapters of Matthew covering how you get to join God's family, how you become a follower of Jesus, the steps of new birth, the initiation into the kingdom through repentance, turning away from your old life, believing in Jesus by being baptized in water and being filled with the Holy Spirit, which comes in a few weeks' time for the disciples. The twelve have been living this life for the last three years, traveling around with the good news, making converts, explaining and showing people the truth and the power of the kingdom of God on earth while Jesus is still with them. And now to complete the disciples' education, Jesus tells them what will happen in the end. And we need to know that too. So secondly, at the end, what exactly happens at the end? Can you picture yourself standing before Jesus among the sheep or the goats? And first Jesus tells the sheep where they're going and why. You who are blessed by my Father, you are going to inherit the kingdom that we have been preparing for you since the beginning when we created the world. Now if you're a sheep, one of those who is blessed by God the Father, it seems you don't quite understand how Jesus describes you. How did you spend your days giving Jesus food and drink, inviting him as a stranger into your home, clothing him, providing nursing care and visiting him in prison. So Jesus explains to you it's because you cared for God's sheep and he views one act of kindness towards even the least of God's blessed sheep as if you were looking out for him. And as you look around at the other sheep, some of their faces seem to shine brighter than others. They seem to reflect Jesus' glory more strongly than you do. And somehow you know that these were the destitute, persecuted Christians who really suffered for Jesus in this world. Some of them were in prison, some were tortured, and some were killed for their faith. And you realize that Jesus went through all of this suffering and horror and sense of injustice with them. It was personal. They were part of his family. 
They were living in him and he felt all that they went through. And somehow the money that you gave to Barnabas Trust to support the persecuted church and your faltering prayers for those Christians who are suffering in parts of the world seem so insignificant to you now. Now that you see how much Jesus really loves them. But you see his love for you too. And your eyes are open now to see things from Jesus' viewpoint. Those children who messed around in Sunday school while you were trying to explain to them the significance of Jesus dying on the cross for their sins. They just wouldn't listen. They just were a nuisance. And yet late in their teens, they saw the light and joined the family of the church. You see how personally Jesus takes every little thing that you did for his people since that day that he washed your sins away and brought you into his heavenly family. And now as you stand before the judge, the judge of all mankind, the only one who's ever lived a perfect life and is fully able to judge everyone fairly, you know that nothing ever got past him. No injustice was ever unseen. He rules in perfect justice. And he delights in all those little things that you did in your life that brought honor to his name and showed his love to the family that he has built to be with him in heaven for all eternity. Do you now see how your faltering, feeble faith was important to Jesus? He knows all about you because he knows you by name and he welcomes you into heaven. And then Jesus turns his attention to the goats and he tells them where they are going and why. Now if you're a goat, one who is cursed and departing from Jesus to the other place, the place of punishment and eternal fire, which was meant to be for the devil and all the rebellious angels, you know full well that you've rejected Jesus and his offer of salvation. You've messed up and are destined for eternal punishment. It was never meant for people to go to there, that place. It's a place of punishment for the devil and his own kind. It's a tragedy that you're on your way there. But you also, like the sheep, don't quite understand the description that Jesus gives you. How could it be that you didn't spend your days giving Jesus food, drink, an invitation to enter your home, clothes, nursing care and prison visits? There were always more pressing things to do than sort out your guilty conscience and receive that free gift to be made right with God. You never did make peace with God. So Jesus explains that failing to take any interest in the needs of God's sheep was a result of ignoring him too. It's true. You're only too aware. You were careless about the things of God. And now and forever you are paying the price. And that's that. The goats head off to eternal punishment and the sheep inherit eternal life in God's kingdom. And that's the end of the story. Or is it? Because we know it's not the end. People have puzzled over these words of Jesus for centuries. And they tend to either embellish them or they do the opposite and in some way explain them away. They embellish them with graphic pictures of devils in hellfire, as you can still find in medieval paint paintings, which was how ordinary people learned about these things before they could read the Bible for themselves. But that's not helpful. 
or they dismiss this teaching because it doesn't fit with their idea of heaven and God's justice. They prefer to think of hell as just sleeping forever or passing into oblivion. So what do we do? How do we approach teaching which makes us uncomfortable? Well, we don't add to it, nor do we subtract from it. We accept it at face value unless there's clear teaching from the rest of God's word that helps us see it in a different light. Now it's beyond the scope of a 15-minute talk to do a complete Bible study on heaven and hell. But you could if you wanted to. Now my 15 minutes are up. I did have a few questions that I was going to answer to help, but maybe you'd like to put those on pigeonhole yourself. If you do, we can get to them later. Let me just look at those questions. Why did Jesus tell them this, but say nothing more? Why did he only tell his disciples and not the crowd? And how do I explain heaven and hell to unbelievers? You might think of some other questions that you want to ask, and we'll have a go at answering them later on. But for the moment, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for this teaching. Thank you for what you've told us. But we need help with this. Please help, help us to accept what you say. And so be willing to talk to others about it too. Amen. We had some really good questions in, so we'll see how many we can get through. So the first one, why goats? Oh, let me take this off. Well, Jesus used everyday examples. So in those days, sheep and goats would be out together and a shepherd would have to separate them. So it was just an everyday example of things. Uh, that he used, that everyone would understand. I know we don't have that now. We don't have the separation of sheep and goats every night, uh, so we have to work out what it means. But I think we, we gathered that it's just the fact that shepherds would have to separate animals out. Perfect. Um, this one's, I'm a Christian, and I say I am. I say that I follow Jesus, and I hope I do. But how can I really know that I'll be, I'll be amongst the sheep? Well, I think that's a good question that we all need to be able to answer. How can we really know we're among the sheep? That we keep following Jesus right up to the end. That's what Jesus says in all these things. When I come back, will you be ready? Are you like the virgins who had oil in their lamp and they were ready for the Jesus to come back? So keep following Jesus. Keep doing the things that you're doing. Be part of his family and uh, you'll be ready when he comes back. Right, um, so this one, oh, they're jumping around. We are always told we are saved by believing in Jesus, not by doing good things. Um, but this passage seems to say the sheep are saved for what they have done. Are you able to explain that? Yeah, well, I tried to cover that in, in the talk, that they were doing what they were doing as a result of being saved by Jesus. Their hearts had changed, so they were part of, they cared for the sheep, and they cared for Jesus himself by caring for the sheep. So it's the fact that uh, our actions show how God has changed us inside. And those that were rejected were those that had no concern for God's people because they had no concern for God either. 
So it isn't that doing good deeds gets you saved. It's that because you are saved, you will do good deeds. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, This one, do you have any tips on how we can talk about heaven and hell with our friends? Well, that was one of my questions, wasn't it? So I ought to, I suppose. Um, (laughs) How do I explain heaven and hell to unbelievers? (laughs) What I said was, I wish I could give you an easy answer. I haven't found this an easy talk to prepare. But the more I studied the Bible, the more comfortable I became talking about heaven and hell. So why not get hold of a good book about heaven and hell? A Bible study guide or just a commentary on Revelation. And you can find out more about it. And in fact, I happen to have three books here that you might find helpful. That I, uh, I, I needed to read up on this. I couldn't just do the talk without finding out more. The first book is The Road to Hell by David Pawson, who was a member of our congregation until very recently. And that tackles all those difficult questions from a Bible point of view. He goes through the Bible and shows you what Jesus says about hell. He says more about hell than anybody else in the whole of the Bible. We learn everything that we know from him. And, and if you really have a lot of those questions, this book is full of how to answer those questions. How could a loving God send anyone to hell by Benjamin M. Skaug? And it's just full of answering those questions that you think, ah, that doesn't make sense. How can I be happy in heaven when I know that some of my family are in hell? All those sorts of questions. There are answers to them. But sometimes we need to think them through before we can talk to our friends about these things. And finally, if you're not that worried about hell, but you do want to know more about heaven, there's this book called The Dawn of Heaven Breaks by Sharon James, which is full of lovely thoughts about heaven from the Bible, from great speakers in the past. Uh, So I recommend that just to get you thinking more about eternity. We're so fixed in this world, it's hard to go and think about the next. Thank you. That was really, really helpful. I don't think we can We've run out of time. another we, one in. Yeah. yeah, but thank you so much. Thank you. It's really helpful. Um, helps us really think a bit more about what you said to us earlier.